The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Look, the money was too good, so I didn't ask any questions. I, I, I wish I did, though, because opening that tomb was the worst thing that happened to us. I mean, <laughs> the moment we took that lamp, that genie unleashed its vengeance, man. You can't honestly be trying to tell us that you saw a genie. No, but genies can choose to appear or not to appear to anyone they want. That's true. Professor Baker told me that, and she's a doctor. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, June the 4th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. I was listening to an AM radio talk show on Thursday last week originating from Windsor, Ontario. And talk show host Dan McDonald was making a repeated argument that no one's opinion on the virus and COVID-19 is valid unless it's made or backed up by a scientist or a doctor. Well, I was outraged for a lot of reasons, but not the least of which was that I took it as a personal insult. (laughs) Now, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, But the problem with simply accepting the authority and opinions of doctors and scientists is that they can be just as much in error about something in their field of expertise as can any one of us. And we'll be witnessing an actual example of this later in the show today, but not until after my reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on channel 292 shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. And as always, consider offering your financial support. Everyone who donates $25 or more will receive a copy of the 52-page full-color publication Climate Essentials, written by one of our regular guests, Dave Plum. Oh, what a week it's been. There have certainly been a lot of issues and events over the past week to distract us from the COVID-19 pandemic. And among the most ominous of the issues that are on my mind are the actions of China with regard to its takeover of Hong Kong and its threats against Taiwan. You know, China's becoming militarily aggressive at a very opportune moment, and a moment that was orchestrated by China, thanks to the Wuhan virus. And we must never forget that China is the elephant in the room when it comes to what's happening in the world today. And I fear that this story will soon overshadow all of the other distractions we're currently dealing with. And of course the orchestrated rioting in U.S. cities posing as protests over the murder of George Floyd and systemic racism are anything but protests. The actions of the rioters with respect to person and property damage is nothing short of criminal. And as a protest, there's nothing to protest against, since there's no issue and no opposition. The handful of people who are organizing these criminal actions have an agenda, and it's not about fighting for rights or for equality or for justice. We'll have justice when we see those rioters locked up and jailed for their criminal actions. Now, if you want to know what a proper and real protest looks and sounds like, we'll be doing just that, as we soon shall focus on some Canadians who protested the continuing lockdown in Vancouver last week. The real issue that continues to affect everyone. Now, last week, you'll recall our focus was on the drug 
hydroxychloroquine. Very important focus on this whole issue because more than being a demonstrated life-saving treatment in fighting the COVID-19 virus, hydroxychloroquine has now become a symbol of the fundamental political divide regarding the government-mandated lockdown. Donald Trump's announcement that he was personally using hydroxychloroquine represented a direct challenge to negative mainstream media narratives about the drug. It was also a direct attack against those on the left determined to keep the COVID-19 lockdown in effect for as long as possible. In many jurisdictions around the world, you know, it might appear that the COVID-19 pandemic shutdown is slowly ending. But take a look. The reality is that it is incrementally being extended indefinitely as politicians seek to entrench their recently exercised and very undemocratic powers over the rest of us. Political threats to repeatedly shut down areas of the economy on the basis of future COVID-19 statistics just means that, you know, this economy is never going to be able to recover. And you know, when the pandemic began, flattening the curve to prevent hospitals from being overrun was the first and only stated objective of the shutdown. And today the continued rationale for the shutdown is anybody's guess, as it can change by the hour, and often does. And naturally, politicians insist their changing motivations and actions are based on saving lives. So by placing the public spotlight on his use of hydroxychloroquine, Trump boldly demonstrated how saving lives is not the goal of the mainstream media or the left. Once again, he brilliantly exposed the hypocrisy of those who claim to be motivated by saving lives while simultaneously opposed to the use of that which is life-saving. Well, sure enough, and wouldn't you know it, this from the May 26th National Post, story issued by Reuters, testing on hold for a drug touted by Trump, according to the World Health Organization. And I quote, the World Health Organization has suspended testing the malaria drug hydroxychloroquine in COVID-19 patients due to safety concerns, who Director General Tredro Adenom Ghebreyesus said on Monday. Hydroxychloroquine has been touted by Donald Trump and others as possible treatment for the disease caused by the novel coronavirus. The U.S. president has said he was taking the drug to help prevent infection. The executive group has implemented a temporary pause of the hydroxychloroquine arm within the solidarity trial while the safety data is reviewed by the Data Safety Monitoring Board, Tedros told in online briefing. He said the other arms of the trial, a major international initiative to hold clinical tests of potential treatments for the virus, were continuing. The WHO had previously recommended against using hydroxychloroquine to treat or prevent coronavirus infections, except as part of clinical trials. Dr. Mike Ryan, head of the WHO Emergencies Program, said the decision to suspend trials of hydroxychloroquine had been taken out of a, quote, abundance of caution, end quote. Well, that caution was not about any health care risks, but about the risk of having been proven wrong again. The last thing the World Health Organization wants is any evidence showing that hydroxychloroquine actually does work. And does that sound like the actions taken by any organization dedicated to health? And by the way, that's the same question that should be asked of Canadian health care authorities. And of course, Trump cut off the World Health Organization from American financial support this week, 
which is yet another link to the Chinese elephant in the room mentioned earlier. So clearly, hydroxychloroquine has become a weapon in the political war between right and left. And as a life-saving treatment, we should not be surprised that the death cult of the left is opposed to it. Everything about the left is about death, destruction, lockdowns, restrictions, lies and falsehoods, authoritarianism and hate, you name it. Now on the last weekend of May, Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson joined a march for freedom in Vancouver, B.C., where large crowds of people were protesting the continuing government COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions on personal freedoms. And by the way, they were doing it quite peacefully and properly. She recorded the whole event, and as she followed along in the march, she would stop to speak to bystanders along the route, particularly if she noticed that they seemed to be opposed to the marchers. And if you do nothing else, consider the contrast between what you're about to hear from people at a real and genuine protest with what we've been hearing from the so-called protesters rioting over the murder of George Floyd. In one of the most beautiful places in the whole world, it's a powerful day in beautiful British Columbia. The beaches are beginning to be filled, families are out, and there happens to be a march going on. People are enjoying being together. There's a few people wearing masks, but not too many. There's a lot of freedom. What's wrong, ma'am? Do you want to give a comment? seem kind of angry. They never have anything to say when you ask them. She's furious. Look how dangerous these people are. They're just so dangerous. Look at them. They're, they're walking. They don't have masks on. They're marching. They have signs. They have a dog. They're dangerous. When you ask people why they're mad, they don't want to give a clear and concise comment because actually the facts are on our side. They're like, how are you? What do you think? You think we're all crazy? Yes. Yeah, why? I'm a doctor. This is, this, is a, this is the wrong idea. I'd love to hear why. Because, because there's, there's very clear science about when we can reopen again and it's not time. It's just not time. Yeah. Yeah, I've been swabbing. I spent the entire day yesterday swabbing people for COVID. Well, okay, amazing. And I swabbed maybe 50 people yesterday. Yeah. And it's just not time yet. I know it sucks. How many? Like how many either. were uh, positive? I don't have the results yet, but I just think it's it's not the right time. There's a time, and you know, when it's time, we'll open. We all want to open too. I don't want to be locked up. I think it sucks. We all think it sucks, but there's science. We gotta gotta obey science and do it when it's the right time. Otherwise, no. we're gonna do this for a lot longer. Yes, sir. I'm glad to talk to a doctor. Um, some doctors, you know, they're saying the opposite, that we do get immunity off of each other, that we have had other flus, that it is 98% recovery. What sure. do you think about hydroxychloroquine and zinc? I think those things are insane and neither of those things are proven. So when it's when there's evidence and when there's good evidence that those things work, then we'll do it. But until then, it's, it makes no sense. Have you seen uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Didier... Uh, Ryutsa 
tests on, on uh, over a thousand people? Nope. What about Dr. Zelenko? But you have to remember that as a, the medical community wants us to end more than you. I guarantee you that. The medical community, there's no conspiracy theory that we want this to drag on. We want this done as quick as possible. That's our goal. We need this to end because we don't like it either. So there's no, you know, there's, I, I agree with sound science. And if there is sound science and evidence for this stuff to end, then I'm all for it. But until that time, I'm, I, I think it's, I now, think it's sir, ludicrous. Now, sir, with hydroxychloroquine in yeah. 2005, extensive studies said that it, it killed chloroquine. And further after that, hydroxychloroquine. And doctors are saying that it's actually um, uh, saving the lives of the elderly. They are given it as soon as they're... The minute there's evidence for any of this stuff, real tested evidence... I'm all for it, but until that time, I think it's I think it's risky to play around, and the the people that are going to die are going to suffer worse, because there's people that are making they poor might. choices. What about will you consider? Could I? Think, I? I think for me to be locked up in my house and not be able to go to the gym is is is, is terrible. It sucks. It's not good. But I think what's even worse is for other people's grandparents to be dying because I chose not to do that. Right. That's what I think. Okay. And uh, and you're a doctor here in Vancouver. I am. Yes. Yeah. I sure appreciate you taking time. Yeah, my pleasure. Sir, my name's Laurel Lynn Tyler Thompson. I'm going to be releasing a video on sure. hydroxychloroquine and zinc. I'm, and, I'm, I'm anxious. And to I'm not it. a doctor. I don't play one on TV. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I have been on hydroxychloroquine for 14 years because okay. I'm, I'm a lupus uh, patient. Sure. Yeah. And uh, it has never done me any harm, sir. Nor sure. has any doctor ever said that. But what I'm hearing from doctors across the world, and it seems like no one's listening because Dr. Tam shut the use of it down uh, in Ontario. We know that 82% of the victims are senior citizens and apparently hydroxychloroquine and zinc is helping. Would, would you just look if, out if, for if my video? Any, if there's any chance that that works, I am all for it. Okay. 100%. Well, I think it's great. Are you out yeah. with your family today? Yes, yes, we are. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're a very handsome doctor. Thanks for <laughs> Thanks. giving me a good word today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Sorry, now I gotta now I gotta catch up to everybody. I was a doctor, that's pretty cool. Now unfortunately he doesn't know what he's talking about, but that's okay. I'm hoping he's gonna watch my video. I don't think he'll remember my name. No one ever remembers my name. They're like, what's that that girl's name? Linda Lou or something like that. asking about president has completed his two weeks of hydroxychloroquine have you spoken to him uh, what he's feeling about is he feeling better what's his feedback about that I did and, and thank you I know that you emailed me a question to that effect and I didn't have time to follow up with you via email but um, because I saw that I, I went into him just before coming out here and I asked him that um, and he said quote he's feeling perfect um, quote he's feeling absolutely great after taking this regimen and quote he would take it again um, if he thought that he was exposed so he is feeling very good and I also um, would point folks there's a very very, very well done piece. It's very thorough uh, with a lot of medical experts laying out um, about prophylaxis use of hydroxychloroquine by Tina Hessman Sayi at sciencenews.org. It's very well done. Uh, she talks about the nearly 200 clinical trials around the world, including 28 involving healthcare workers. Um, in fact, at Henry Ford Hospital in Michigan, 3,000 healthcare workers are, are taking it as part of a trial. Um, and there's some really excellent information there um, about um, you know the, the use of prophylaxis. A number of Indian American doctors have been writing. I have seen some of those letters. Uh, they are supporting President taking hydroxychloroquine. Some of them have themselves taking it. Have you seen those too? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a lot. It's not specific to the president, these doctors, um, but they just talk in general about what they've seen. Um, for instance, a Sarah Lofgren, an infectious disease doctor at the University of Minnesota Medical School in Minneapolis, um, they're testing hydroxychloroquine there to prevent COVID-19. And she said, when used alone, we're not seeing major issues out of the thousands of patients. We're not seeing things um, that some people are concerned about. And I would just note that it's important, um, of course, always, if taking hydroxychloroquine, get a prescription from your doctor. Doctors are the ones that need to be prescribing this. Um, but that being said, I think that some of the hyperbole around this drug that has been on the market for 65 years, been approved for use in, in three other maladies, and has been approved for off-label use, um, when there's a lot of hyperbole about this being unsafe, some of the things I've seen um, reported out there, there are consequences deterring people from being recruited into actual clinical trials. I have some quotes from a New York epidemiologist and others conducting trials saying they're having trouble recruiting people because some of the myths that are out there. So it's important to note that this drug has been safely used by millions of people for a long time. Oh man, I gotta catch up you guys. Sorry, got all sidetracked talking to that doctor. So here's my concern. I'll just share this with you while I'm catching up. Is that doctors in Canada, and I'm gonna be showing this on my video, I've been editing literally for six days, it's just oh, killing me. But hydroxychloroquine and zinc, it is being used by doctors across the world. If any of your loved ones get the virus, especially the elderly, if you're young, you're gonna survive this. Not one person under the age of 20 has died in Canada from this. And, um, and uh, if you get somebody who is sick, it's very, very important that? that they get hydroxychloroquine and zinc. Yeah, it will literally that? save their lives. Yeah. Doctors know this. You know why we don't know it in Canada? Because we got Dr. Tam. And Dr. Tam has shut down the use of hydroxychloroquine and zinc, a 65-year-old drug. Yeah. FDA approved. It can be used off-label when there's an emergency. And if something is shown to work, why would we not be using it? Well, that's a question that begs an answer, doesn't it? You know that doctor we just heard from? He was in the middle of a philosophical train wreck, really. Quote, there's very clear science about what we can open again, and it's not time, it's just not time, end quote. Well, first, let's be very clear that there simply is no clear science about what we can open and when. <laughs> that's ridiculous. These are neither medical nor scientific considerations. What's the clear science that says grocery stores can be open but computer stores can't be? Show me your, your clear reference on that, would you please? Jesus, they're making it up as they go along, folks. You know, he says he spent the entire day just swabbing people for COVID, although he had no results, 50 people, he says. Well, this is meaningless, and even if zero out of 50 people tested positive, or 50 out of 50 people tested positive, that wouldn't be an argument for either extending or ending the lockdown. Testing positive does not mean you'll get sick. It doesn't mean anything particularly useful. He says he doesn't want to be locked up. I think it sucks, he says. We all think it sucks, but there's science. We've got to obey science and do it when it's the right time. Otherwise, we're going to be doing this a lot longer, you know. How can science determine when the right time to open up is? That depends upon the objective, which is not scientific. 
The last time we were told that it would be the right time to open up was after we flattened the curve on hospital overloads. What was the science on which that decision was based on? Let's face it, it was never based on science. And people don't obey quote-unquote science, they obey authority. This doctor's not looking for science, he's looking for authority, someone to tell him what to do, to, to take the responsibility off his shoulder, that's what I'm hearing. You know, one applies science to a given task or objective. One does not obey it blindly. And although I suppose you could maybe make this case in the sense of Francis Bacon's uh, nature to be commanded must be obeyed, I suppose you could say science to be commanded must be obeyed. But the catch-22 of this argument is that everyone on both sides of the lockdown issue claims that their position is supported by science and by the doctors. Look at the contrast that we've been highlighting over the past several weeks between the medical establishment and the frontline doctors. All of them support their varied views with science. So if I was just left in a vacuum of obey the science, I'd have no way of ever arriving at any decision about anything. And the doctor says, quote, hydroxychloroquine and zinc, I think those things are insane, and neither of them have been proven. I think that when there's evidence that those things work, then we'll do it. But until then, it makes no sense, end quote. Well, of course, there's all kinds of evidence that those things work. Evidence that's being shouted out loud and clear by doctors around the world and by no less than Donald Trump's administration itself, including what we just heard from his press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany herself. What I want to know from this doctor is where is the proof that hydroxychloroquine and zinc are insane? <laughs> Does he have proof of that? And based on what specific knowledge is he arriving at this conclusion? You know, here's the sad truth. His conclusion is based on no knowledge at all, and he's willing to stand by it. And that's exactly how our politicians have been operating, in a complete vacuum of no knowledge. I agree with sound science, he says, and if there's sound science for this to end, then I'm all for it, but until then, I think it's ridiculous. You know, he's repeating the same point over and over again. The minute there's evidence for any of this stuff, real tested evidence, I'm all for it. But until that time, I think it's risky to play around, and the people that are going to die are going to suffer worse. Well, well. See, there's his own scientific prejudice. He only accepts tested evidence and rejects all evidence of actual cures because those cures haven't been tested in a lab or under some other controlled conditions that can be scientifically measured. It sucks to be locked up in my home, he says, but what's even worse is for other people's grandparents to be dying because I chose not to do that. That's what I think, end quote. Well, it's inevitable, isn't it? From people who don't have any facts to base their opinions on, justify the lockdown based on altruism. Another virtue signaler. What about all the grandparents who are dying because of the lockdown? And by the way, there's no quote-unquote proof that social distancing has had any effect on the spread of the coronavirus, and there is no proof, as in tested evidence, of any such conclusion. There's just an assumptive theory that by social distancing, the virus won't spread as rapidly. But that's not proof. In fact, it's even less proof or evidence of validity than are the many reported successful COVID-19 treatments with hydroxychloroquine. And let's not forget that the SARS-CoV-2 virus itself was apparently a creation of science. And exactly what does that prove? You know? The grand flaw in all of this illogic concerning science is that science is not the objective, disinterested discipline of acquiring knowledge that most people assume it to be. 
Science is not disinterested. The belief that science is objective because it is unaffected by human opinions and prejudices and emotions is completely false. All science is conducted with purpose and interests as the motivating force. And to that I refer you once again, as I did many years ago on this show, to Scottish philosopher John McMurray in his book Reason and Emotion, which was written way back in 1935, and he had this to say about science, and I quote, Science is not itself objective. Its business is to invent expressions for the description of reality and to perfect these expressions. I have to tell you, I haven't heard a better definition of science in a long time. The scientific attitude abstracts from emotion. Emotion is essential to the grasp of reality. Interest is essential to knowledge and interest is selective. To be completely general, one would have to be completely disinterested. But then one could not even be a scientist. One could not even choose between being a psychologist and being a physicist. It's impossible to be a scientist, quote-unquote, in general. Note the corollary of this. Science in itself is strictly valueless. That obviously does not mean that science has no value, but that its value is derived from outside itself. It is a relative value, a utility value. And this is also true of philosophy, and indeed it is true of knowledge as a whole. Scientific results can and will be used for the satisfaction of thoroughly unscientific human passions and desires. And because science cannot determine values or practical ideals, a scientific age is always a materialistic age, not because science is materialistic, for it isn't ever, but because a scientific age is an age whose emotions are left uncivilized and barbarous. The civilizing of the emotions is the business of art and religion. During the earlier stages of its development, science had to struggle for its very existence against religious prejudice. But science triumphed. And in the hour of its triumph, Science has become as full of pride and prejudice as ever religion was. Modern science is very liable to superstition and tends to breed superstition in its devotees. There are fashions in superstition as there are in hats, and the current superstitions are scientific. There is even a superstition called Christian science. Science does not worship. It inquires, analyzes, classifies, and does sums. We must not credit to science what does not essentially belong to it as science. The honest facing of facts, for example, end quote. You know, honestly facing facts is the field of morality. And ironically, the biggest advocates of fact-checking are those who wish to portray those facts dishonestly or fraudulently. Facts do not create the narrative. I've said that many times. Facts are only capable of supporting or disproving a given narrative, assuming an honest facing of those facts. And you can't, for example, honestly isolate one fact from others so as to misrepresent the context of a given situation. And back to John McMurray, quote, Whose knowledge is science? Everybody's? Nobody's. Science is impersonal. That is to say, it is available information, and the place for information is in books, where one can find it when one needs it. But even bare information is information for somebody, for some person. The trouble is that no person can make information their own and so turn it into knowledge without altering its character, coloring it with emotion and experience. 
That is why science is so much concerned about eliminating the personal factor from its activities and results. It wants someone who can gain and hold information without personalizing it. And this is impossible. Reality is not built that way, and to refuse to face that fact honestly is not scientific. After all, science is an activity of persons. It falls within the personal life and must be dominated by it. Science is an impersonal means to a personal end. And, end quote. So if you're intent on destroying the world as a personal value, <laughs> then you'll employ science to do exactly that. And if you value life and want to, for example, say, cure cancer, then you'll employ science to do that. And using another example, you know, on climate change. Don't be surprised if two opposing sides in that debate refer to the same science and to the same statistical data. It's their personal interpretations of the raw science that will essentially express a real or unreal conclusion from that science. Science arrives at no conclusions about anything. Its business is to invent expressions for the description of reality and to perfect those expressions. So it's not possible to obey science because a simple description of reality, accurate though it might be, cannot be the determinant of human action. Will someone use the science of nuclear energy to provide electricity for thousands of homes or will it be used to build nuclear weapons? Same science, different courses of action. Coming up next, I was surprised to run across this recent commentary about science that was posted to YouTube on May 25th by none other than Gad Sad, which, if nothing else, certainly speaks to the subjectivity and personal motivations behind how some people relate to science. Hi, everybody. This is Gad Sad. Well, there's another form of bigotry that I'd like to discuss today, uh, and this is where people who are just as limited in their intellectual capacity, that are just as much of hicks as the ones who hate Jews or blacks, will be bigoted towards the discipline because they think that somehow that discipline is less worthy. They think that this field is scientific. Sociology can be scientific, but anatomy is, or people who study you know, whatever, whatever they view as being too unscientific and of course they don't understand what science is so if you wear a white lab coat you're scientific if you have a bunsen burner you're scientific if you uh, have a petri dish you're scientific so let me read you some stuff that i put out today which hopefully should uh, uh, clarify uh, this new form of hickville bigotry here we go so, remember, when evolutionary principles are used to study 1,999,999 species, it's science. When the exact same principles are used to study humans in general and consumers in particular, bruh, it's pseudoscience. Studying salamanders is science. Studying humans is fake science. You get it? When a person in a white coat uses fMRI to study how fear is processed in a vervet monkey's brain, it's science. When a person in a suit, hence not in a white lab coat, uses the same technology, fMRI, to study how consumers process fear, it's faux science. When a primatologist observes chimpanzees' behaviors, it's science. Take, for example, Dr. Jane Goodall. That's science. 
when a behavioral scientist observes consumers' behaviors, it's faux science because bruh, marketing. When a public health expert uses a statistical model to identify predictors of disease, it's science. When a consumer psychologist uses the exact same statistical model to identify predictors of consumer choice, it's pseudoscience. When a geneticist uses genetic polymorphisms to explore disease prevalence, it's science. When a consumer psychologist uses genetic polymorphisms to explore consumer-related phenomena, it's faux science. When an agricultural scientist uses experimental design to establish the best crop yield, it's science. When a psychologist uses the same experimental design to establish the best persuasion strategies, it's faux science. When a climate scientist uses a statistical model to predict climate change, it's science. When a marketing scientist uses the same type of statistical model to predict consumer choice, it's faux science. The Dunning-Kruger effect is something that we should not take lightly. We should try to redeem, find a way to cure these bigots from their idiocy. So Greg, what a, what an incredible day! It, it, it is an incredible day to see the citizens of the Lower Mainland come together in peace with sanity for a great cause. What's been your takeaway from today? You know, just before coming down here, I watched a video by um, Dr. Buttar, and uh, on that show that he did, that you can catch online, he had 150 doctors on a Zoom call. You could see all their faces. And uh, everything that was covered here at the rally was spoken about on that show. And here's the biggest thing on my mind. The, this group here is informed. They've done the work to get informed. They're not conspiracy theorists. They've done the research. And so, you know, my plea to my neighbor, to citizens of BC, to Canadians, to people around the world, my plea is this. Please, do the research. There is enough information now where you can logically verify the facts that are the truth. And that is that the biggest thing is that vaccines are, there's no proof that they work. It's just, oh look, I know some of you are watching this right now, you're going to go, no, okay, have that reaction, but please go and do the research. You try to find a study that shows that vaccines really work. Furthermore, there is an agenda, a global agenda, but wherever you are, it's your local agenda to take away your freedom. And that's not right. This is a, Canada is a free nation. USA is a free nation. And if you don't stand up for your rights, it's gonna be taken away from you. So that's what's been, that's one of the things, or two of the things that have been on my heart. Have you been concerned uh, being a, a Canadian? Uh, I don't think we've ever seen Canada in this state. This is unprecedented territory. You know, I, I went um, I went to get my hair cut yesterday. And uh, 
I'm, I'm looking at everybody inside with masks on, muzzled. I'm looking at the lineup of people with masks on. And I'm, I'm having this debate with myself. I, you know, I am not going to put a mask on. I am standing up for my rights. And then I had this dialogue. Okay, am I, am I, am I being uncooperative? Am I being a jerk? You know, I'm having this dialogue. And I phoned a friend, my friend Greg. And I thought, you know, you know what? I have to take a stand. Even if I don't get a haircut, I'm taking a stand. So I walk in. And my friend, the barber, says, you have to have a mask on. I go, I'm not putting a mask on. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but I'll get shut down. And there, and there it was. There it was. It was the, the citizens are under threat. The citizens are under fear. And that's what's driving them. And, 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 and I had compassion for the guy. But I still didn't put the mask on. And I sat down and he cut my hair. So, you know, we need to keep doing things like that to take a stand. And, uh, you know, that's the most salient example in my life recently. So, yeah, it's a very different Canada than it was before. It's, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a term, surreal. And I know those of you who are watching this, that term surreal is like, is this really happening? Is this a bad movie? Yeah, it is happening. My friend Federico had, his re- had to shut down his restaurant. Millions of people are affected by this by a few people signing a document saying they have executive order over the, over the laws of the land. That's enough. We have to stand up, everybody. We have to stand up. Do the research. Find out the truth. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And that was the voice of Vancouver protester Greg in conversation with Laurel and Tyler Thompson, who had some excellent observations to make about this state-imposed COVID-19 pandemic crisis. We'll be hearing more voices from the protesters at that march again a bit later in the show. But that story told by Greg about his getting a haircut was kind of chilling, in the sense that his barber friend pleaded, yeah, but I'll get shut down, if he were to cut Greg's hair without Greg wearing a mask. You know, the way so many people believe that the government has a right to control their every action and motion, where they can stand, how many people they can associate with, etc., etc., it's unbelievable, and it's really frightening. This is the insanity of the left that people are bending their knee to. They are not acting reasonably in the face of a not particularly threatening virus, but no one seems to be aware of that. For some reason, the establishment and the establishment media wants to keep us in this state of fear. And as if to repeat the reign of terror experienced by barbers and hairstylists, and remember the one in Texas a few weeks back? Well, I got this from a female listener to the show, taken from her hairdresser's website, which I was asked not to identify, so I won't. And I quote, Hello, dear clients. As of today, we still have no date as to when we can reopen. But we have not disappeared into thin air. No, we've been meeting regularly and preparing for the big day as a team. So when the date is given, we will not have to wait a second longer to open our doors. Some of the things that we've been doing to prep are making a schedule. This will include seven days a week with two shifts. Having an email ready to send with all of our guidelines and policies done and a waiver to fill in. A questionnaire to fill in prior to confirming your appointment. This may include a video consultation to affirm timing needed. A thermometer to take temperatures. All the PPE required including reusable masks for clients. Barriers to keep everyone safe. 
And then the announcement goes on about booking clients and bringing back business and stages. I'm telling you, this has gone nuts. The people who are taking all this regulation so seriously and unquestioningly are behaving a lot like zombies to someone looking at them from the outside. Although, you know, I realize many of them are simply doing what they think they must do in order to avoid the police and to avoid further government lockdowns. They may not even be aware of it, but they are acting out of pure fear. After all, it's their very livelihood that's at stake. And right now, government and legal authorities are the biggest threat to all of us. It's particularly scary when you begin to see how stupid and arbitrary their rules and regulations are. So much so that it has gotten to the point where all you can do is ridicule and laugh at the ridiculous measures that authorities are resorting to. You'll recall that last week we featured a CBC News audio bite expressing the outrage at people who showed up at Toronto's Trinity Bellwoods Park and who apparently failed to distance themselves appropriately from each other, although I must admit from the, from the pictures I saw, I didn't see any problems. But the problem arises when we see how ridiculous and pointless authorities have become in the way that they interpret rational social distancing. It's practically becoming a cartoon. So this time round, our audio bite features the Rebel Media's David Menzies reporting, one week later, from that same park, and it was just unbelievable what he encountered when he got there. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. Well, folks, I've returned to the scene of Toronto's Day of Infamy. You may recall last Saturday, about 10,000 people crammed into little Trinity Bellwoods Park. And, um, well, needless to say, the elected officials, they lost their marbles over this. Uh, the likes of Premier Doug Ford and John Tory. You know, the same elected officials who break all the COVID-19 protocol they say that we should be following. Several hours ago, folks, city workers painted some 400 circles and uh, basically you are supposed to remain in your circle to maintain proper social distancing and if you don't maintain proper social distancing uh, you will be fined yep $880 by the way what is the out-of-bounds rule Ooh, speak of the devil Two bylaw enforcement officers. Let's see what the rules are so we don't get an $880 ticket. So the, the circles are for six feet radius. That's, you're supposed to be inside the six foot radius. Now, if, like is it NFL rules or CFL rules for a fair catch? If I put one foot out, is that considered a violation or do I have to keep both inside the circle? Well, I think you're supposed to be using some common sense and I would really appreciate that not being so close to my face, please. Well, it, we're, we're six feet away. I understand that, and you're holding it less than six feet away from your mouth, which can contaminate me. So I would like that further away from my face, please, sir. You're not going to give me one of those $880 tickets, are you? Well, if you don't comply with what I ask you to do, then that may be a possibility right now, right? Well, I'm not confining you. You can keep walking away. No, I can't, sir, because my job is to answer your questions and educate the public. Okay, well, that's what I came here for, to get educated. So I'm wondering if I, if I put one foot out or, like... Uh, a, a pinky toe out, would I get a, an $880 ticket? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that question right at the moment. Well, then how can you educate me if you don't know the answers? That's a very good question.
sir. What brings you out here? Oh man, it's good to be here with the people standing up for what's right. Freedom! We have to. It has gone too far. We need to have our jobs. We need to get out. The mental health of our society is absolutely crucial. And uh, people have to gather together. It's a necessity. For whatever it's reason, actually we good have for to our come immune together. systems to, to be together. And outside. Yep. Amen. And outside. Thank you. Thank you. What brings you out here, brother? I've got kids. Yeah. I expect them to have a future and fucking give me grandkids so I can be a happy grandfather. Well, I'm here because I want my kids to have a, a free country to live in. And I don't want to be ruled by a tyrant. I actually believe that uh, we have to fight. If we want to keep our freedom, we have to fight for it now. There's too many things that are unexplainable. Uh, virus, all of a sudden, we need to shut down the world economy. And uh, millions of people are going to suffer for the few, you know. And They're going down, but they're not going down without fight. They're doing whatever they have in their power to brainwash and to uh, convince people to do that. But uh, they're not going down without fight. That's why we're here. We're here. We're seeing our freedom taking over piece by piece. Uh, I can't believe we live in a free world, especially here in Canada. I can't believe it's happening in Canada too. Uh, I just ask people, you know, at this stage, Many people now, they're aware of uh, social media, mainstream media, news channels, they're being exposed, uh, their true color is being exposed. Many people, they know they're not telling the truth. It's uh, just lies upon lies upon lies, manipulating. And uh, so many people are aware of that. I think this is part of mass awakening, great awakening. People are working up. Now, at this stage, I ask you, please, see the truth, uh, pay a little bit more attention, you can see what's going on, you can see nothing makes makes sense. Uh, if you put this together, you see the real picture. I came from Poland, um, from a communist country, so there's a lot of uh, similarities that I see here. I don't know, what can I tell you about it? What, what Are they locking it? down in Colombia? They were for a long time. It was quite um, strong, if you if you like. People were being uh, fined for not wearing masks, and the police were uh, quite. They were actually handed. fined for not yeah. wearing masks. Yeah, very handy. So I mean, I wasn't there. I was here, but I. So that's why you say live free. Live free or die. Yes. Don't live like a slave. Yes. Never ever. Don't bend the knee to any man. I'm really sick and tired of anytime I turn on the news, TV or radio, they talk about COVID-19, they, they talk about the number of people getting sick and dying. And this is not real. This is not truth. They're lying. I can't believe you're just lying. And anybody who's come telling the truth, they get censored. Censoring people, taking videos down is the same as burning a book. You're doing the same thing. If, uh, why? If you're not scared, if you're not afraid, why are you censoring people? Why are you censoring those doctors, scientists, researchers, free generalists that they're publishing the truth? Anybody who has different opinions, you got to take them down? No, that's not true. That's not freedom. That's not freedom of speech. Sorry, but that's where I stand on it. If people have a problem with me fighting for my civil rights, my constitutional rights, I don't really care. 
I think they can uh, stay in their houses. They can be scared if they want to, but you know, the only thing there is to fear here is the media. Don't listen to it. If you listen to the media, you're going to be so depressed. They're going <laughs> to, you're, you're done, you know? One problem. There's yeah. not a lot of people my age here, I've noticed. In your age group? Yeah. yeah. What, what is your age group? 25. 25, yeah. So we need some younger folks. There's nothing I can do. Everyone I told, they're all too afraid of losing their jobs. I'm afraid of losing my job. Is that why you're hiding right now? That's why I'm hiding right now. Yeah. Okay, I won't tell anyone. Okay, thanks. That was interesting what that fella just said that you know there's not a lot of younger people what I find when I talk to my kids who are in that age age range of uh, 25 years old that they're afraid they you know they only get their news on the radio you can't believe CKNW CBC CTV global can't believe anything they're putting out have you ever heard it's 98% recovery on those networks no they want you to be fearful we don't have to be afraid, and we shouldn't be locking down. We How are no you? Reason. We have no reason to be afraid. So we just going to take back our freedom, our human rights, and to defend our constitutional rights. And uh, actually, that is happening now. They want everyone to get be afraid, and they to do everything they want with us. You got any comments? No, no comments. No. Okay. What do you guys think? I think it's horrible. Like this is so stupid. It's Why? Crazy. Why? It's so absurd. It's so Why? We're not, a, we're not being oppressed. We're not being oppressed this is right like now. The simplest task. Do you do you have jobs? Yeah. Are you working right now? I'm about to start working. I don't really. Sorry, I don't want to talk to the camera. Yeah. Well, I just it's, you know it's 98 percent recovery, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I do. I just... So we should not lose our economy, right? You know we're going broke. Interesting still the number of people they don't want to be seen on camera because they don't want to lose their jobs. That's where we're at in Canada. I actually enjoy talking to people who are angry with us because it might be the first time they actually get real information. It might be the first time that they understand about the recovery rates about the fear tactics that are not necessary. Hi, sir. It might be the first time they know that young people largely easily survive this. Because you won't hear that on the news. And that's why we have a nation that's scared. And we have young people that are afraid. And I actually think that's a crime. And I think Dr. Tam not using her ability to save the elderly in particular. Hear that one doctor? He doesn't even think it works. He doesn't even know. That is the sad state of our doctors here in Canada. And no disrespect to him, he looked like a really nice doctor. I believe him. I don't think he's evil. I don't think he wants to keep the lockdown longer than it needs to be on. But what that doctor was saying is that, you know, it's too early. Based on what? Look around us. 98% recovery, right? Everything is, is okay. Everything is okay. 
You know, I think it's vitally important that more of us hear some voices of sanity. It's important to know that not everyone has swallowed the Kool-Aid. And I completely share the views of the protesters who commented on what they hear in the mainstream media and how demoralizing and harmful it all is. Yet these voices, these voices of these protesters, are being drowned out by the non-voices behind the riots going on right now, people who have nothing to say and no reasons to offer for their criminal actions. If you were to approach any of those people behind the rioting protesters and demonstrators in the same way as was done with the Vancouver protest march, there would not be a single rational voice around to speak to anyone. And I found it interesting that the two women approached by Laura Lynn at the march would argue that, quote, this is so stupid, we're not being oppressed, end quote. Well, if a state-enforced shutdown and fines for failing to accurately distance yourself from others is not oppression, I don't know what is. I have to ask, you know, just what planet are these women living on? And yet so many people are in the same mindset. And therein lies the source of the danger that we all must face. And the rebel media's David Menzies' coverage of the social distancing circles painted in Toronto's Trinity Bellwoods Park certainly gives the term social circles a new meaning entirely. (laughs) But what the circles really speak to is the utter ignorance and superstition on which such actions are based. I wonder how that Vancouver doctor might explain the clear science, quote-unquote, behind drawing these circles in the park. (laughs) Oh, man. But most frightening is the prospect of police officers patrolling the public to, quote, educate them along with their $880 penalty incentive for failing to be properly educated. They're not talking about education, they're talking about compliance. The police as such do not know a thing about COVID-19. They don't know anything about the SARS-CoV-2 virus. They don't know anything about hydroxychloroquine. And apparently they don't know a thing about the nature of individual freedom. Do you know why they're called the police force? Because using force is what police do. It's the only thing they can do as members of a force. And when that force is properly restrained behind objective laws, it is right and just. But this is not the situation that our police are being used for today. The police are not educators. And the police officer we just heard in David Menzies' interview certainly had no information, not only about the coronavirus in particular, but he didn't have any particular information about the specific law that he was supposed to be enforcing. I mean, this has gone way beyond a farce, folks. We're living in an age of fear, sponsored and endorsed by our own elected politicians, and I hope we remember that going into the futures. I mean, here we are, doctors are concealing their identities when trying to speak freely about what they see happening in their operating rooms around them. Barbers and hairstylists are no longer in charge of how they can run their own businesses. The government dictates that. People are sheepishly lining up in stores in ways that are so irrational, they defy the purpose of the whole exercise in the first place. You know, I could spend hours deconstructing the specific stupidity behind each of the regulations, the arrows they draw on the ground and the circles they draw and the distancing. I mean, from the circular logic behind drawing circles in the park to the ludicrous limit of five people gathering in any one group at a given time. Absolutely absurd. 
Are five people allowed inside one of those circles that they drew? One single person could be a member of several different groups of five over a given period of time. And this nonsense is not doing a thing to prevent the spread of the virus, and it reveals a complete lack of practical knowledge of how viruses spread. This is just nuts. But to close off today's show, I want to leave you with this. Are you ready for this one? National Post, London Free Press, May 26th. Headline reads, Japan model a puzzling success. Theories abound. Prime Minister lifts state of emergencies. And I quote, Shinzo Abe, Japan's Prime Minister, said Monday that the quote-unquote Japan model has effectively beaten the coronavirus as he lifted a nationwide state of emergency after seven weeks. He described how the uniquely Japanese way in which the country had confronted the pandemic, unusually not including a strict lockdown, had allowed it to escape the numerous outbreaks and high death tolls seen in several European countries and the U.S. Japan has had about 17,000 confirmed cases and 850 deaths, but has not implemented widespread testing. Abe said, quote, we were able to bring the outbreak nearly under control in just a month and a half in a uniquely Japanese way. We demonstrated the power of the Japan model, end quote. But experts have struggled to specify what that model is or why it appears to have been so successful in this congested nation of 126.5 million people with the oldest population in the world. Mask wearing, home working, and social distancing were advised. But Japan's constitution prohibits a mandatory lockdown. Did you hear that? Japan's constitution prohibits a mandatory lockdown. Can we all write that down? Businesses, including restaurants, were allowed to choose whether they remained open. And only 0.2% of the population were tested for the virus. It's a mystery to everyone, said Saku Honyo, professor of immunology at Kyoto University and winner of the 2018 Nobel Prize for Medicine, end quote. Well, I find it surprising that having just described the quote-unquote Japan model as one in which mandatory lockdowns were constitutionally prohibited and where no widespread testing was done, you know, just treating the sick and not the healthy, that one would still be questioning what that model is. And I think we call it freedom. And the reason it's a mystery to everyone with respect to COVID-19 is the same reason that the incredible prosperity made possible by capitalism still remains a mystery to most people. It's because they cannot see the invisible hand of the marketplace and the invisible hand of social interaction at play when independent individuals are able to rationally act in their own self-interest. And I trust that you will be acting in your self-interest as you join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Okay, here comes the bad news. But I'm going to do it as charades. Charades. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Remember, really bad news. Two, Two words. words.
hole thing. thing. Big yeah. hole. Uh, a black hole. We're being sucked into Ooh. a black hole. A chameleonic mutant. Uh, 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 brain-eating chameleonic music on board. A giant death worm. Something's happened to Kachansky. She's got a rogue virus. Um, Rimmer's no, 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 got a rogue virus. No, no, no. I've got a rogue virus. Uh, oh, yeah. Zombies! Zombies! Zombies. <laughs> I'm being replaced, aren't I? So no one likes me. People have complained about the shape of my head. Strangled. A giant.